on for, for the broadcast you're listening to a live echo courtesy of youtube Ooh, that feedback I've, yes so welcome to voyage of the geek for yet another yet our first at the same time mm-hmm. it's a review show mm-hmm. but it's the first time we're going to review a classic movie and this time around is our, the classic story of terror, death, and doom, uh, the attack of the crab monsters, plural, which we'll get to. Joining us, as always, on the panel, Dan Miller, myself, Hello. Dave Scotland, and a very special guest, Rick Legato. Good morning, universe. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you back on board, sir. First of all, what have you been up to? What's happened this week? Um, this week, exciting thing. Uh, the game I've been working on has been announced finally. Awesome. Any 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 details that we can share with the world? Um, well, it's called Yonder Chronicles of the Cloudcatcher. Nice. Actually, it's wow. a cool, it's cool title. Epic. Have you seen some of the artwork? No, I haven't. I got a I got a little little sneaky peek at some of the artwork. Yeah, right. Looks okay. Really nice. Wow. Can we show that later yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Sure. Make make sure we do before we before we sign off tonight. Oh, okay. We'll throw up a little bit. I think you'll like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very nice. Who's doing the artwork? Um, I don't know all the artists, but uh, Joel Styles, one of the, I guess, creators of it, okay, um, has done an amazing job using Unity. Mm-hmm. A lot of people um, are amazed. It's it's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's it's simple. Um, no, it's not overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. It's stylized, mm-hmm. but very pretty. Nicely rendered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really mm-hmm. nice. What about you, Dan? Anything uh, exciting happening in your world? Uh, nothing too much. Um, preparing for Christmas. There's all of those uh, family arrangements that have to be done. Uh, yeah. Preparing to wind down for a bit of a Christmas break, actually, is what I'm trying to do. I was preparing for that, and then we wound up again. <laughs> yeah. right, we wound down on a Friday thinking that we were going to wind out, and then we changed our plans a little bit at the last minute in the in the, in the the school year mm-hmm. and squeezed in a, a little bit before we went off on a break. So um, we, we ramped down, ramped straight back up, yes, and then we'll ramp down again later on uh, in a couple of weeks. It's been an uphill thing to the finish line anyway. Well, the exciting thing for me through the mm-hmm. week is uh, as you passed on your way in, the, uh, the SS uh, shark bait... Uh, the kayak. Oh, yes. Um, so I'll be jo- enjoying some kayak fishing, uh, Australia's fastest uh, growing water sport. Yeah, right. Um, still don't understand how fishing qualifies as a sport. <laughs> um, I yeah. guess if you tag and release and uh, do that whole shit, I like to catch feed. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm out there to yeah. catch, a, catch a barbecue meal. Yeah. Um, uh, and I go primal. You know, I go... Something I tap into something mm-hmm. that has been sitting there for hundreds of thousands of years, and mm-hmm. I just I forget everything. 
I forget everything. I guess this time I'll forget everything except for how sore my back and lower stomach is going to be. A lower back and my stomach is going to be at least for the first month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, because kayaking, I believe, is actually strenuous. Yeah, as opposed to fishing. As opposed to normal fishing. Yeah. Like the idea that's a sport. Um, I've always held a view there's a very thin line between fishing. Yep. And doing sweet fuck all. Yeah, well, there's a very thin line. <laughs> well, there's a meal that comes with it if you're lucky. <laughs> I've been fishing before without bait. It's a Venn diagram with uh, large overlapping areas. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And it is it is the domain of um, uh, the, big stories, mm-hmm. ones that got away stories. And, um, you know, there's, there's always something to see, even mm-hmm. when there's nothing to see when you're out on a boat. And there's yeah. something about the water being near, near the water. Mm. Um, it, it invigorates you mm. and um, I like visiting it I don't like the the thought of living at the ocean because mm. uh, it is prone to gobbling cities up now and then um, I still don't quite understand how people buy absolute waterfront up on a nice cliff yeah. a nice sandy cliff nice 200 metre tall cliff <laughs> overlooking no a nice hard solid rock cliff <laughs> well that's what I'm saying a nice <laughs> sandy cliff but yeah um Give me a visit every time. So we are looking at – let me throw up a little bit of artwork here. We're looking at the classic Attack of the Crab Monsters. It's a a Roger Corman production. Mm. Corman, very well known for doing similar type movies, but then actually going through and creating incredible lineage of uh, productions as a producer. Mm. uh, Such as? As well as a director. Let me me throw it up. Before we get into the film, it's good – I'm glad you asked because I think it's worth having a quick look at his lineage – um, like some classics, uh, The Terror, uh, House of Usher, Little Shop of Horrors, but then moved, like still in 2008, he was producing movies like Death Race and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you look at his director credits, he was making movies, directing movies all the way up to 1990, um, or actually 1980 was probably his last, this one here looks like some sort of special uh, release, um, Frankenstein Unbound, but it could have been... It, it could have been his. I don't just don't know much about it, but a prolific director in the sixties, sixties uh, and seventies. Um, in fact, all the way down to fifty-five. I think he he did a bunch of westerns, some quite well-known westerns, and then went into um, jumped into the thrillers, the undead, Attack of the Crab Monsters. Um, we started to get into Saga of the Viking Women and their voyage to the waters of the Great Sea Serpent. Probably one of the longest movie titles I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, if you go up and down that list, you'll definitely run into some stuff that you've come across at three o'clock in the morning in your youth. The Wasp Women. Yeah. The Wasp Women. Yeah. yeah, they were trying to outdo each other a lot in those days, weren't yeah. they, with their titles? Quite imaginative. Now, while we're on the title, before we before we jump into it, this is definitely Attack of the Crab Monsters, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Did I miss something in the narrative? Was there more than one monster? There's two. Was there two? There's yeah, two. Then there's I did miss something <laughs> in the narrative. There's a mama and a papa. Uh, yes. Because they looked very much alike. They did. Potentially the alike. same prop. Like, yes. <laughs> a bit possibly. That's possibly. a bit specious saying all crabs look the same. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe the crab monsters was, the plural was the little ones that you saw crawling around a little bit and that's how we got the plural. No. But, but I take your word well, for it. Well, um, if you go back to the picture, if you go back to the picture, um, that scene, 
never happens never in, happened the, in the movie, movie right? So <laughs> You're right. Okay. I've seen another one where she's dangling on a rope. Or actually, it's this one, but there's a, f- there's a further up. Uh, there's more artwork further up. Okay. And there's a crab holding to the top of the rope. Oh, right. Okay. So I guess that could be the two crabs that we're talking no, because about. because there's the uh, McLean crab. Right. Yes. Um, from early on, from an earlier expedition. No. Yes, yes. yes. Well, that's the male crab, apparently. Okay. Yeah, and they kill that one first, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's the guy with the dodgy French accent crab. Yes. Um, is the second crab that continues. That's right. So. Um, I was never so happy then when he bought the farm and then he came back as a crab and I'm like, oh, we got the, more of the accent. It was awesome. Um, I'm going to get some of these uh, just rotating through. So maybe we should do, to start with, rather than just talking about random facts, maybe just give a bit of an overview or a synopsis. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we've got the um, the tagline. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should do a logline to try and describe I would it? like... we can do an impromptu logline. How about you give us a logline and Rick can give us the premise, an ex- a, a slightly bigger explana- explanation of the logline. So you give me the one, the two-sentence, right? The, the thing that you, if I hit okay, the info all, button, or vice versa, who wants to do the logline? Well, we can all work on a logline. Uh, you probably actually have to go through a few iterations to get a good yeah, one, yeah, good. right? So this but, is the info that you would get if you hit you, if you hit info while you're watching this film at three in the morning. No, 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 on, you should No, you should never get a logline. Well, no, no, it'll give it, but it will never give it away. No, well, that's the point of the logline. Oh, so you're talking about a production logline? A production. Log so line. I'm trying to sell the project. You're going to give me a check, right? Because the production, okay, gotcha. it, it's the the whole story, and there's no spoilers. I mean, yeah. it's full of spoilers. Yeah. You, you don't say, and then. Something it's, secret happens. Because yeah, I'm end. not going to give you a check if I don't know where it's going. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. So, and usually there's a formula and it's something like when a, um, then a yeah. must. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, when a group of scientists land on a Pacific island, mm-hmm. um, they must um, um, defeat... A giant crab monster um, using electricity and their scientific uh, knowledge. Wordy, <laughs> yeah, but like accurate. I said, like I said, okay, it's impromptu. I didn't <laughs> accurate. Okay, so that it's something like that. Is what? Do you have a, any tweaks you might want to put to that, or probably the because it's a bit of a mystery. I mean, the crabs aren't actually. You don't actually see them. Where's my wonderful notes until... True, it's a mystery, but, but remember... 40 minutes and 25 seconds in. This is the rider in you. Because giving away a plot, you don't, you, you've got to keep the mystery in. That, so so he's, would, he's thinking tagline like I was. You're thinking tagline. No, you're I pitching would, it to me so I green light I'm the project. I'm talking about the log line. Well, I would say that scientists go to um, study uh, an island in the, in the Pacific and uncover its... Mysterious changes yeah. only to discover. Only to discover. Boom, boom, boom. Giant the crabs. Mutant, and, yeah. 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 Giant mutant crabs. Yeah. Yeah. And they must defeat them. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, using their scientific. I don't know. They defeat them using their kind of scientific skills, I suppose. You know? And I think that that absolutely accurately sums up what the movie is all about. Yeah. Um, and the there are plot twists. I guess throughout the the the, the pro, uh, throughout the program, um, very period, very sixties. 
in oh, its yeah. in its uh, in its delivery in its style mm. has a lot of um, neighbors shall we say in that space in in that decade yes um, so what was your first let's start off first We're, we have to find a, way, a good way to attack this you know in pieces yeah yeah know, well first initial impressions right as a, as a narrative piece right a narrative piece of cinema okay what did you feel what did you think about it the narrative um, is crazy mm-hmm. um, and and I think as as some other people had highlighted there's enough in there for five movies yeah all right so yeah. Um, yeah it's crazy and um, it's a kind of a bit of a, a sort of a fantasy in some respects yep. um, it's also a bit of a sort of a, a ghost horror vampire movie yep. almost in yep. some respects there's all this stuff all in there yeah yeah all squashed in like, there like um uh, floating voices. Yeah, and, yeah, because it's, like it's floating. And the, and when people are dead, they're, they're, they still come they back. You can hear their voices when, yeah. after they're dead. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's tons of that stuff crammed in there. A, I agree. Yeah, I, I would say it actually reminds me of 80s horror films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the set group where all the victims and heroes are going to come from. I know Dan's got some theories, and you're going to probably hopefully talk about it. Well, I can there's talk a, There's about a formula, it. and Dan yeah. alluded, like, woke me up to it one day and said, this is how horror movies are made. And, and he's gone, there's always this person, that person, this person. And, and the reason why they're there is so that there can be a death that befits their character, mm, you know, yeah, and, the, mm. and that we can always break break off and, and this can happen to that character, this happens to that character, and they always do, and this formula has always been there. And it's, it, it, like, it almost has the same formula, say, as Evil Dead. Mm. You have the original cast, there's a mystery they don't understand, it starts to um, chomp the cast, yeah. um, the, but the victims don't just disappear, yeah. they then become part of the enemy that has to be beaten, mm-hmm. and then you have sort of the preparation for the showdown. Yeah. Yeah. The showdown yeah. is an extended show, showdown, sort of just a, a, a one-hit thing. Uh-huh. And I, th- I think yeah. the 50s and 60s, we were, we were for, still finding the formula, weren't we? Well, uh, what my sort of re- response to that is, it doesn't, it might not be that it sounds like a 80s horror movie. Yeah, it's the one that, that, I mean, this is some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about later on, but it's, it's, um, it's Corman here, the director, who's kind of moulding this genre. He's making yeah, this. Absolutely. This, and um, influencing. Thing. Yeah. Influencing yeah, yeah. the new filmmakers coming through. So when we started to see filmmakers of the 80s, mm. they were the kids mm. of the 60s. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. And they just there's that picture with the two crabs. Um, oh yeah, it is too. So there was a subliminal. There's, there's you, you, the formula was implanted mm-hmm. probably in your youth. Mm-hmm. The way, um, the way the formula was implanted for Lucas uh, when he was watching the early Buck Rogers and those sorts of things was sort of implanted into his thinking. I got a good, couple of good quotes we can um, sort of have a look at, at later. But yeah, I think Lucas and Spielberg and those guys, they were watching these movies, Absolutely. right? When yeah. they, they're kids. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, now, now, I, I, no, let me pause here for a sec. We recognize this guy? Yeah, um, yes, we do recognize him. I can tell guy. you where he is, where exactly where he's from. He's a professor from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and he's still saving the day, fixing the radio. And he's, he's, the, he's the guy. What about that awkward scene? I had, had to bring it up. There's an awkward scene where he puts the moves on her. Oh. 
Uh, yeah. That's excruciating. And they were about to kiss. And she was going in for the kiss as well. And it's like, where the hell did uh, that come from? No, I, I disagree. She was remaining chaste, yet a little tempted. Uh, yeah, you might be right. The, you might the, be right. The, Which was her role, I suppose, the, in the, the society and the film. in this, <laughs> I thought, I was just... Yeah. We're all going to go, you stay here in the house. Yeah. <laughs> and how immaculate was the house? Yeah. Like, it's some some tropical island in the middle of nowhere, and it had, like, bedside lamps and, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and blinds. And, and she made the food. Yeah. She, well, that's right. That's they right. got hungry. Yeah. It was up to It's about the time I made some food, yes. was her line. <laughs> in that line, in the delivery of that line was, because I'm the woman. Yeah. <laughs> it just You didn't hear it, but it was there. It was in the line. It was about time I made some food. And also... Uh, it was interesting, like when she's when they go diving, yeah. the other guy always has to lead her and turn her and mm-hmm. pull her this way. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like she has no no brain, yeah. no agency. <laughs> it's just this thing floating in the water that must be directed at. Now, now before we um, we, I know you've you've got some stuff that's um, more holistic overall. Mm-hmm. I've got to I've got to talk about some specific scenes that. Uh, okay, wait till we finish. Do you want me to do that at the end? Or? Well, no, we can do that whenever. It just um just a couple more things on the narrative. Yeah, yeah, perhaps go. Before we move yeah, on, it's a great idea. Um, so the the scriptwriter is Charles B. Griffith. Yes, who I've pulled up here, and Charles is in the movie. Oh. Which one was Charles? Was he one of the soldiers? <laughs> did he, I did could he, guess. Did he cop it on the beach? Very good guess. Crewman number two. <laughs> one off. <laughs> You're That's one awesome. Off. That's awesome. So um, explain to us, Dave, what happens at the very start of the movie. Oh, it, and we're talking the very start. We're in the very, very like you start. You can still hear the, the music from the, the credits in the background still sort of <laughs> yeah. fading out. Where a guy falls overboard... Uh-huh. And then gets fish from the ocean because his head fell off. No, no, no. Well, his head gets snipped off yeah. by the giant crab. I don't know whether I saw the head, the head snapping sort of pincer thing happening. I just saw a crab lunge mm-hmm. and then being fished out by the legs because that's how you save someone out of the water. <laughs> yeah. And then he comes over the edge and there's no head. And I, I remember just losing it. I, yeah. I just cracked up on my own right at the yeah. front there watching yeah. it. Um, so in the first two minutes of the film, mm-hmm. a guy's head gets torn off. Um, and that leaves two two crewmen, I guess, uh, yeah. to do all of the. Getting a bit of static on the mic there. Am I? Uh, I'm getting a bit coming through. Is it the music in the background? Oh, I don't know. Let's check keep... one, two. One, two, two. Is it me? I think it's the music in the background. I think there's some parts of this that's a little bit staticky. Oh, yeah. I can hear a little bit of popping. I don't know. So I think it's the background music. All right. Sorry to interrupt there. Um, it's one of the crabs. So, yeah. He gets he gets taken out by the um, by the um, could be your headphones. It your might headphones? be my headphones. Yeah. It might be my headphones. But you'll have to get a new pair of the, these ones. I'm I'm hearing it as well occasionally. <sighs> you must be the background. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so right at the very start, yep. uh, the guy gets his head snipped off, and that's the scriptwriter. Oh, that's the Charles guy that dies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. so we didn't see him at all. No, he had no lines or anything. No. No, and the reason why he gets his head snipped off at the start is because um, um, Corman, who's making the movies, is this is a low budget movie, seventy thousand, seventy thousand. So everybody's doing everything, and um, Charles, <laughs> there's a quote from him that he just read Jules Verne. He just okay. read a book by not Jules Verne, um, Jesus, um, who's the French dive dude? Oh. Um- Invented the bloody uh, air tank. The aqualung. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Cousteau. Yeah, Cousteau. Cousteau. Jack. Just, Jack Cousteau. He just read a book by Jack Cousteau, so he's like, oh, under the sea, this is awesome. So he, he says to um, to um, Roger Corman, you know, can I be the BT, the B camera team and go and do the filming for the um, the underwater scenes? Nice. So part of, that's why he ends up, he films himself, so he ends up under the water. Um, with his head snipped off. Now, um, this kind of leads me into the next bit, which is the instructions that Roger... Uh, Corman gave to the B team. Yeah, well, no, B roll to uh, Charles Griffiths, who's writing the script. Oh, okay. Um, and he said in the script, that, uh, when writing the script, that he didn't want any. Uh, say it's a sequence. We'll call it a sequence. So a bunch of shots is, I think, what he's talking about. He didn't want any sh- any sequence of shots to not end without action or drama. That is every so every three shots or every five shots in yeah. the movie that had to end with a action yeah. or a drama. Yeah, the, either action, so a scene like a, a sequence of shots is it's generally like a scene. broken yeah, into yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah, so maybe call it a scene. So yeah. it's not like after every shot, but after every sort of little sequence or scene, some action had to happen, or um, there was the threat of something yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, and so I think you can see that in the opening sh- opening yeah, yeah. shot of the movie. The very first thing is, you know, we're a minute in and a guy gets his head snipped <laughs> off by the giant crabs. I think they, the rumbling, exploding noise too, they used to, they used that quite literally. Through and the that movie. would explain it as well. They, right. they couldn't go from this scene to that scene without something like rolling around. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, um, and there was another good uh, sound effect in there as well that was serving that purpose, which was this sort of... Um, Crackly, yeah, creaky yeah. kind of noise, which I think was meant to represent that the crabs were skulking about yeah. outside the house doing yeah. stuff, I don't know, casing the joint or yeah. something or other. So that was always happening, and they were always like, Oh, did you hear that? You know, what is that sound? You know, so yeah, by crustacean. So that's him, that's him <laughs> yeah, developing that, that, that formula, isn't it? Like yeah. he's, he's, he's putting it down to a formula. If he's talking to his writer and he's saying things like that, mm. that's formula, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, another thing he's, he's kind of saying is there's a good quote, there's a couple of good quotes from him about um, how people. You know, they want story because we're always talking about story. They want story and they want character development because they want to get involved and they want those things. So Roger Corman says that they want those things, but his instructions, and I think this goes more generally for his, his, his idea, is that those things are not to overshadow what people came to the movie yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And that's to see people getting their heads snipped off by giant crabs. Yeah. That's what they came to the movie for. Yeah. Um, Rickers, narrative. What do you think? <clears throat> yep, I think I'm uh, pretty. I, now, now I can see that formula in hindsight. Mm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. As, as soon as you mentioned it, little light bulb went ah. Yeah, yeah. And they, that's probably you know. And I have to say, he makes it work pretty well because it's on face value, it sounds unworkable. Yeah. But having various types of tension, like you know the little crab noises. Mm. Rumbling earthquakes, he, you know, he actually found ways to make it so you know it didn't look like you know Transformers gone wrong. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, and you're right. It does. It when you hear that, then it sort of makes more. The whole thing makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it? Well, actually, Al- albeit, 
albeit still weird, yeah. you know, it's still oh, something it's that we're not feel. used to used to seeing, but um, it explains uh, decisions that were yeah. made. It possibly explains part of the story, why there was so much stuff in there, yeah. because he's trying to make a spectacle and he's also trying to keep it happening all the time, yeah. that there's always something going on. Yeah. Actually, one thing I never understood in the film is the plane that blows up early on. Yeah. <laughs> what caused it to explode? Uh, yes, yes. I missed that. <laughs> excellent, excellent question. I've got... Uh, Let's talk for about 15 minutes about that, <laughs> the plane that blows up at the end, at the start. If I can do a prelude to to that question. Please do. You know, there's a um, there's a saying that I only sort of kind of come across um, recently, and that is that um, cool guys don't look at explosions. Ah, yes. Okay, are you familiar with yep, this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Arnie, Arnie had a saying, never blink when you shoot your gun. Oh, that's Jackie Chan as well. Yeah, Arnie had that. Ja- well. And I've seen some and actual. Arnie, I've seen. I've seen something recently. Arnie had a few rules. Like you never blink when you shoot your gun, and you always turn with your with your your head and not your eyes. Uh, so if I want to look over there, you you look like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, most yeah, people, you yeah. lead with your eyes. Tough guys, apparently, you're supposed to lead with your head. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. I know Jackie Chan gave a tutorial. They said whenever he's going to fire a gun in a movie. Just before he does the shot, he fires the gun a couple of times oh, yeah, yeah. to stop himself being frightened of it. Yeah. And then he can go bang, 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 bang with his eyes open and, and look really aggressive. And that was, his, that was his trick. All right. So cool guys don't look at explosions. So this is, I don't know, John claude Van Damme or somebody or other. And, you know, the bad guys, he's pushed the bad guys or, you know, crashed them into a, a mountain of 44-gallon drums full of petrol and stuff. And he gets his cigar and he chucks it into the thing and then he turns away yeah he turns away from the explosion so we get the hero and surrounded by the explosion he's in slow motion he's looking like yep. a tough guy and he's walking along um so yeah good guy uh you know heroes don't look at explosions and that was the sort of thing that i thought when i saw the explosion or rather i didn't see the explosion yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. in um in this in this um it's there, like there's for a few frames you can see. Actually, it's, is it? Yeah, yeah. I thought you only heard it and saw their reaction. I swear, oh, I saw it. No, 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 you didn't I see swear, it. I saw no, it. no, no, no. I, I don't know. You might be right, but you didn't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is Roger Corbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. He He's, can't blow up a PBY, no, no. Catalina, whatever it's called. And it wasn't a. Um, I remember seeing an overlay. It was a. It was an optical printing. Maybe of, there's an overlay. Of something. But to continue, the good guys never look at explosions. <laughs> Our hero woman. Yeah. Buries her face in the nearest male yeah. shoulder that she can find. <laughs> so, so, so the aeroplane comes in, yeah, yeah. and then she like buries her face in somebody's shoulder, and you hear in the background. So, yes, good guys, Roger Corman, and poor effeminate uh, female heroes what, don't look at explosions. But, but why did remember. it explode? Nobody knows. Okay, uh, I, so I, you didn't catch anything. No, no, I do know. I do know why. Why? Because it, the crab monster telepathy uh, X-ray beams of doom. Oh, really? Is why? <laughs> that's why. Of course, that's why. Awesome. <laughs> of course. That's what they're up to. They're snipping off heads down in the bottom of the ocean, and they're also sending off their whoa, whoa, whoa telepathic plane exploding death rays. Yeah. Although we did see the crabs scuttling into the water. 
the little crabs sabotage the plane. Oh, maybe. That's a really good point. Maybe. Perhaps, perhaps. Because they do send the little crusty minions <laughs> yeah. out occasionally. On <laughs> and the there was, remember there was something, the wrong box had been brought up to the house. It was full of dynamite. And he had to take it back. Yeah. Yeah. Did I that, also thought there was that a funny up, line. Did that end, yeah, and, and deliberate. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, they, they were, they'd all walked into their cabin yeah. and they're like, oh, there's about... What's this giant box of dynamite doing yeah. here? I'll get. I'll have oh, to take have this to? back to the beach. Yeah, and so it's obvious. So it's clearly, it's there's a reason for it's it, and maybe device. that's tied to it because that was pre-plane explosion. Yeah, that was the most awkward Chekhov's um, shotgun I've yeah. ever heard. So, so, so tell me, gentlemen, what did you think of character development in relation to narrative? Right? Who were these people? Who the hell were these people? Who was who was Mister Fixit Professor from Gilligan's Island? He says, "What? Why? What was his he purpose?" He, he says he wasn't a professor. What was his purpose there? He he was the French guy was, as he says, I I am only a provincial botanist. Yeah, um, he wasn't a geo, geo, geologist. Nah, um, that's what he was. He was a geologist. He was a rock guy. Yep, and the the main guy that thinks he's General MacArthur. For, Gen, General yeah, MacArthur. He, he's a, with the sunnies. Have you ever seen an actor wear dark sunnies the whole time through the whole movie? <laughs> All of the emotion is in the eyes, and he's wearing General yeah. MacArthur sunnies the whole, and even wearing. Were they military people? No, the military took them there. He was wearing military stuff, but it's hard to know because it's black and white. Yeah. He could have been wearing blue. <clears throat> yeah, there oh, there he is with his sunnies on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the B team. They're the B team science crew. So yeah, the, yeah, A-team, the A-team already got wiped out. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they're all scientists, right? Yeah. And they've all got a different discipline. One's a biologist and one's a geologist. And actually, and what, I just saw her name, Pat Pamela D- D- Duncan. That's what it. was Pat Pamela? What What was her character? Uh, I think she was, you know, she was one of those ists. She's one of the scientists. Um or was she just was she a scientist or was she just the missus? Actually, nah, actually, no. She does explain because when she met, she's uh, underwater. She's the underwater. Yeah. She's the her in the, the scuba. Yeah, she's her specialist. Is, speciality is underwater. Okay, yeah, that's right. right. Because she actually says her and Dave, who is her sweetheart, yeah, one that she stays chased to, yeah, um, they met at some. She explains where they met and what they were doing. Yeah. So she does explain it in that awkward love scene where I'm pretty sure that if whatever drew them away in that moment hadn't happened she was going to get nasty with the guy behind the boyfriend's back (laughs) while the boyfriend's getting chewed up by the crab in the cave in her like for all she knew she's a nasty piece of work out on the island. I'm not convinced. Giving it to anyone. (laughs) Now look I I would suggest that that is entirely possible for a Roger Corman film. Yeah. But in this case, nah, she looked like she was the... Uh, she was the... The uh, damsel? Yeah, a little bit of damsel. What yeah. did we... Th- um, so, so character development. Um, I mean, the guy in charge, the General MacArthur, mm. I think he was a bit light on, right? And as far as I'm aware, I don't even know whether he got a credit. Like, out of the three, if you look at the poster, he's not one of those three mm. on the poster. Mm. Always weird when the guy in charge of the expedition is not one of the main actors. You know what I mean? And he doesn't die early. Yeah. Sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. That's always – it's a difficult one to juggle. With yeah. Because – yeah. And and I just couldn't get past the fact that you might – one of these – so much exposition was coming from this guy. Mm-hmm. He had glasses on the whole time. Dark sunglasses <laughs> on the whole time. Because he was mysterious. He wasn't sharing his – 
theory. Yeah, yeah, typical scientist. He was the oh, uh, military. He doesn't want to. Well, he didn't want to kill it, so he wasn't the gung ho mm. military guy. He was. Mm. That's why I didn't know whether he was military mm-hmm. because he didn't want to kill it. He wanted to no. catch it. Yeah, he, he said he he was a physicist. Yeah. Well, no, actually, the French, the dodgy French botanist <laughs> says that he's. He says I'm only a provincial botanist. <laughs> You are the, the physicist, blah blah blah. He's uh, when you see some of these pictures, he shows up in some of these pictures, and even in a still image, he's poor. He's got poor acting. <laughs> <laughs> he's like everyone else is looking over here, their eye lines are over here, and he's looking like you can tell he's looking at someone behind the camera or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah that one there. I just it's his bleached hair. It I just showed it there. The, which oh, I might have to go right around and show. It's worth having a look at. We could look. <laughs> All, look at all their eye lines. And then look at this guy. Yeah, he's just like, when's lunch? <laughs> Am I right? Like, he's, that's poor acting in a still image. Yeah. Chick looks concerned. Look at, look at Glasses guy. He's like, oh, shit, we're in deep trouble now. He looks like Jack uh, Nicholson in yeah, that, in that yeah. one frame at moment in time. He looked like Jack Nicholson. But, yeah, not one of them paying attention yeah. to one another. And there's- and he's, he's daydreaming. He's and like, I'm t- did I leave the free? Did I leave the oven on? This is a no, meme waiting home. to happen, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was good because at one point he came in with the jokes. Someone yeah. just bought it, right? Someone just bought the farm, and he comes in with the jokes, and they give it to him. They, they're like, "Poor timing, doctor." <laughs> well, what, remember his opening line? What was his opening line? I can't remember. Very prophetic. He's like, you know, so there's an exposition going on. It's like, so we're all the B team and we're here to find out what happened to the A team. And the French guy says, oh, yes, you know, maybe they're all, you know, they're all ghosts and we can listen to them. And he says, you know, hello, can you hear us, dead people? And they're all, ha, 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 no, that could never happen. That's right, you did too. Actually, <laughs> the professor there has a uh, army belt on. Oh, what did he really? Army, was he? I don't think he's a professor. He's a professor in Gilligan's Island. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think he's just, we're calling him a professor, professor but yeah. he's just a handyman. He's this all-American handyman guy. So is that why he, he has the sleeves onto the woman's? <laughs> he's a little too handy. <laughs> Hand, handsy. <laughs> Hands on. He's the macho I loved, um, yes. I love that the professor, um, the the Frenchie, yeah. um, Frenchie Belgie, where is he? That poor Rose, unemployed slightly. <laughs> Here he is. Not only did he um, he get chomped, yeah. that was only after he got his hand ch- smashed off by a rock. <laughs> the rock fell from the ceiling, yeah. smashed his hand off, excruciating pain. They bandaged it up, put him to bed. He woke up in the middle of, of, uh, of the night and followed some voice off the edge of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> he, got his, he got chomped twice. <laughs> Um, yeah, he that was, was a little weird. He's like lying on the ground, and a, yeah. and a rock fell off. The, and it's like it wasn't a particularly big rock. It, it wasn't, wasn't like a. Yeah. But also, yeah, I just thought it might crush his hand to pulp. Yeah, yeah, it's still going to be attached. It was a nice, clean chop off. You can see that that was probably written in the script. Large shard of rock slices <laughs> the doctor's, the biologist's hand, and then on set, it's like throw throw the polystyrene <laughs> in his arm, <laughs> and he's like, oh, woe is me. And it was an opportunity for for a gore moment, you know. <laughs> For, for yeah, a, that's a what they fake were, hand. Yeah. They, yeah. I was actually surprised that the gore for 1950s 
Absolutely, in the first two minutes with the guy getting pulled onto the boat backwards and the reveal out of the water, like he's got torsos coming up and then all of a sudden and there's all these flappy bits of sinew and shirt. And I was thinking to pull a human being out of the water by their legs would actually be physically quite a challenge. Absolutely, dead weight like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just... So... um, so narrative wise, give us a give us a score, gentlemen, for narrative um, for this particular film out of five. Well, it has to have six out of five because there's more narrative in this story than can possibly fit <laughs> than can fit in its. We in haven't its even hum- got into some of the sixty minutes of, <laughs> of humbles, total film. We haven't we haven't even got into some of the details about <laughs> what's going on with this crazy film. Um, sixty minutes. They 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 all of that was. One, squashed yeah. into 63 minutes yeah mm. 63 minutes mm. which is that's that's a that's a telethon special you know that's mm. not it's not even a film really mm. um, but I guess in those days yeah you know, films were shorter were they I think they were shorter so they could make more of them the the film apparently was shorter than what we've seen here because it was released as a, um, a drive-in, double feature drive-in. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the TV version with a load of crap stuck at the front of it. You know, it's got that Bible quotes. Yeah, and I right. shall come out that's of right. the sea and that's destroy right. all that, you know. So they, they stick right. all this stuff on to puff it out so that it'll go for a major And that's very Corman too, though. Like yeah. that's his style of some sort of narrative at the start and some, some pr- animation profound and sort nice of thing. Animation with the crab with the googly eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, when it was sort of when it was asleep and you could see it sort of open up, and you see the paper mache come apart. <laughs> um, so I don't know how to judge the narrative in terms of giving it a point score because you really have to get your scales right because this is not Shakespeare. No, that's right. And <laughs> right. We can't really compare it to anything other than that genre for that time. Mm. Mm. I, I'd still rate it um, as a as a kind of a B grade popcorn flick, and and we sort of discussed about what they were trying to achieve. So that's how one about, way to. How about instead of giving it a score out at a five? Yeah, it's it's either good, meh, bad. Yeah. Okay. So meh is in take it or leave it. It didn't blow me away. It did its job. It's there. Bad is ridiculous. I didn't know who was doing what. I didn't understand anything. And I don't think it sort of fell into that group. No. So I, I I think pers- it's bad. personally, I'd give it a meh. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I give it a meh plus. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a meh plus yeah. because <laughs> just, it's like a cake. You know how we always talk about ingredients and yeah, yeah, yeah. things that it's like they just empty the pantry. And, yeah. yeah. And, and, and come out with a sponge. Yeah, yeah. And yet I understood almost all of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually quite... And that can't be ignored. That, that can't, can't be ignored. Be From start to finish, it had a beginning, middle and end, um, mm-hmm. although the end was lightning fast. Like I, I mentioned before the show, that mm-hmm. it's... Uh, I, di- I didn't spend my youth watching a lot of these types of films, right? I, I scared way too easily, and I couldn't get it out. Once it went in mm-hmm. there, I couldn't get it out. I told you the other week about um, the American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that... Yeah. That kept me away from horror movies for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just never, I never got into this stuff. I got into sci-fi, but never any of the horror stuff, You're the thing, the blob, or any of that sort of. I was a delicate flower. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was the youngest. <laughs> I was the the youngest boy of uh, and two older sisters, right? So I was the youngest, mummy's boy, and older sisters that wanted to scare me with this stuff. But <laughs> no, no, I was too practical. Run, run and hide under the sheets. 
Um, so I don't have much of a thing to compare it to. You know, the genre you guys might have been exposed a little bit more to that sort of stuff. Um, still to this day, I haven't haven't watched the thing. Of any generation. No, I've got the thing at home on DVD. I've seen a couple of visual (laughs) effects sequences and a couple of special effects sequences. The one with Russell... Yeah, that's the, the 80s one. one. Is that 80s, 80s early 90s? Kirk, is it Kirk, Kirk Russell? Yeah, that's so, yeah. the 80s, that's, early 90s Yeah, that's one. one. Oh, that's, is that the original? No, the original one's old black and white. I think there's three things actually. I think yeah. there is three. Right. Yeah. There's there's the new new one. There's the middle mid middle classic one. Yeah. yeah. And then there's an old super yeah. B grade yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. 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 The middle ones. And that's what yeah. this sort of stands with, doesn't it? This, yeah. This whole yeah. genre, the swamp monster from yeah. where, from wherever. The and, blob. Yeah. Um, but that kind of actually tells you something that these things, although this is, I think a lot of these things are better than what the $70,000 budget will allow. And that's how some right. of these things become, the Little Shop of Horrors Broadway musical, yep. how they become, I think you're um, right. you know, these things, is that when you put a little bit more money into them, hmm. um, there's some really cool stuff inside there yeah. that you can tease out of it. Well, look at um, in the last couple <clears throat> of days, we've seen a brand new trailer hit, hit the world, uh, a new mummy trailer, um, where they've sort of flipped the roles a little bit where the mummy is a female mummy, and Tom Cruise is the scientist, doctor sort of character that is pursued. You okay. know, you've got to see that. If you haven't seen the trailer... Okay, uh, no. You should, because I put it on uh, Voyage of the Geeks' uh, <laughs> Facebook page. Check check the link there, man. Okay. Great trailer. Okay. Really, really good trailer. Um, really nail-biting opening sequence with a plane crashing, and in the plane is the sarcophagus that they okay. just sort of exhumed and stuff like that Interesting. Um, but it's the same formula the mummy has been retold so many times mm-hmm. where they uncover the mummy um, and it's from this period as well the yeah. mummy is from this period they uncover it and then the mummy wants to regain the relationship that he, that he left behind when uh, when he was first sort of uh, alive um, and cursed and put in the yeah yeah mm. um, that's the same story. They keep telling it over. They keep trying to tweak it, but it's the same story. So you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the formulas, yes, a they endear themselves to us because we watch them at a time in our life where we're very impressionable. Mm-hmm. But also they've got quality formulas. Mm-hmm. Like they're simple, you know. Uh, still staying with the narrative um, <clears throat> when um, just reading up more on, on Roger Corman, you know, he says time and time again, he's got a couple of cool articles about his top ten tips for making films and stuff. And it starts with the story, you know. So even though it's a 70s and they've got atomic mutant crab monsters, he's still, you know, he's still really trying to have the story as the proper basis for which is is his launching vehicle for the rest of the... 1957, Mm. right? This is only about three or four years after... all of the nuclear testing and things like that. So it's worked its way into cinema with giant animals. You know, it's not far from this to Godzilla, is it? How many superheroes uh, get their superpowers from atomic nuclear stuff? I'm I'm wondering, I was thinking that, like, this may not be the first, but it's obviously one of the first, I thought, to actually take I think you're right. The mutant radiation... Idea. Causing it to grow larger and have special powers and things like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I'm, I'm not an expert in the genre, but it's early and it's only a matter of a couple of years. It, you would have to be pretty, pretty quick to work it into a narrative given that, you know, they were still testing in the Pacific at that time. 
I've seen um, metrics where people are measuring um, films mm. based on whether there's atomic atomic power yeah, yeah, yeah. inside them, you know, referenced inside the film. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the hallmarks that tells it yeah. what the genre is and also the time when it was made. Yeah. yeah that's, I love seeing that sort of stuff. They're, they're plotting the actual relationship like that. So we're getting pretty close to perhaps our main yeah. super monster villain. And we haven't really touched on some of the um, surprises that are in this film with regard to what atomic power can achieve when combined with crabs. <laughs> the the special power. Well, first there's, do we call it telepathy? Is it Was it using telepathy? Yeah, it's telepathy. Yeah. But yet... But Multiple people could hear it. Ah, they heard. Um, well, that's what you do with telepathy. You can no, find out. She's sorts hearing of it, people. and the guy comes over and says, "You heard it too." Yeah, yeah. But, but he actually the telepathy asked for that person specifically. Mm-hmm. So, because he uses her by name. Yeah, ah, that's what right. he did too. So we're assuming that he did that to that's the other right. guy as well. Mm. That's right. So, mm. so it must if, be telepathic. It's not like some. Sp- it's got a built-in speaker system. Actually, no. He does say no. He speaks through the metal. Ah, because there was some, there was <laughs> some layers, man. attention it's like a to the friggin' onion. Wasn't there something on a table? Telepathic and onion. And like you could see this realization. He, he, he makes was it the ashtray or something? Yeah, like yeah. That? And, right. then, at it. and then later on, he speaks through a pick, and then he speaks through a That's gun, right. so he can turn right. any metal into a, a speaker. Into That's a right. yes, into a speaker. Yeah. So the crabs have the power to turn ashtrays into loudspeakers. Loudspeakers. To transmit their thoughts <laughs> and using the voices of the people they've eaten. Yes, they, and they even explain that. Yes, they, they yeah. take on the uh, they take on the <clears throat> presence and the and the and the essence of the things they eat. Yeah, the the, the memories. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so what happens actually is, and this is um, this is again something uh, not of my own observation, but some other people uh, came up with that. It's quite horrific, actually. It's quite a horrific idea that the bad guy monster mm. starts off as a stupid crab. Yep. And as he starts eating scientific A-teams... Yeah, he's getting smarter and smarter. He gets smarter and smarter, and he's starting to, you know, incorporate all of these yep. um, these scientific brains yep. inside. And, yeah, so building himself up. So did you catch the reason why the crab had such an issue... With humans, I, f- I, f- I don't think they ever explained its motivation. I couldn't catch it. I didn't. Was it with the humans blowing shit up? Well, there was a lot of dynamite. They brought a lot of dynamite there. Actually, is no, that why? No. Remember, we haven't gone fully through this yet because it's the really it's the crabs that were blowing things up, not the humans. The humans had dynamite in a box. They had a big tent full of dynamite. Yeah. Like they had a whole. Remember were they, the guys the are playing poker? Were b- blowing things up, were they? The um, guys are playing poker with only, dynamite and grenades and things. <laughs> yeah. They were throwing grenades. And they only blew up um, the first crab by causing a cave in on it. That was the only time they yeah. used explosives. It was the crabs actually. Because remember, they say the crabs are eating the island from the ground up. Yeah. Um, and causing it to sink into the ocean. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, their theory and, was that it was to corner them so that they could kill them. Oh, was it? At one point they said they're destroying the island so that we'll have nowhere else to run. Yes. 
but they, I didn't know why they started destroying the island in the first place. Why were they did they had, why did they have such a they they bit the guy's head off in the first two yeah. minutes? But I can't work out why they had such a was it the A team that caused problems with the crabs early on? I don't know if that I can't think of that ever being ever explained because they found a worm. They found a big worm. A mutant true. worm. A mutant worm. And, and they also the crabs generate heat because they talk about the the clays being glazed. We have to go through this slowly so that the people who are not familiar with the, the, the excellent narrative here can keep up. Yeah. So it's atomically, telepathically causing metal objects such as x-rays to become speakers and microphones. Yeah. And microphones, I suppose. Yeah. Um, somehow destroying an island from the inside out by rumbling it to death somehow. Yeah. Because it sounded like explosions. There was some. Like, yeah. I always figured that that was the the mountains collapsing or something. Right so they there. were so tunneling and the, digging, I undermining. Yeah. I don't know. Because quite because how. they said on the side of the pit that the dirt had been. Um, oh, that's right. Scalded. Scalded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, melted. Yeah, melted. So it was like clay. So the know. crabs probably had because they took. That might be how they took out the plane. Yeah. See, I told they you. Have the ability to do the eyeballs of heat or something. <laughs> the eyeballs of heat <laughs> to melt the mountains. And I don't, I don't know. There was. I struggled to work out what the crabs had. Why the crabs had such a problem and actually, with the humans. And also, crabs require are amphibious, so they need a bit of island. So so, the, yeah. Was it maybe they accidentally ate the first guy and realised, hey. I'm smarter now. I've just, you know what I mean? Did it, it was it they 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 realized man eating these people is making me better. I feel I can do all these incredible things. I'm going to keep eating them. Look, that's a, that's a good hypothesis. Maybe crabs are hunters and they just decided to hunt things. Yeah. I actually think perhaps what happened is that the um when you get attacked, uh, when you get zapped by atomic radiation, it makes you kind of angry. Mm-hmm. That's just what it does. Did you notice there was one... It gives you the shits. There was one superpower You're like, fucking hell. The, the, main, <laughs> the main crab had one superpower um, that not many people would have noticed. Yes, we haven't gone through the full gamut yet. That's why I say we must proceed carefully and slowly to document this accurately. It could walk forward. Oh, true. Crabs yeah, don't it, walk it, forward. It moved like a spider, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, look, if, if you can now... The little crabs walk sideways if, on the beach. Yeah. they got less radiation, obviously. Look, if if you're a crab and you can speak English in a French accent, I'm sure <laughs> it's, it's not an issue. Well, they did have all these scientists on board. Yeah. I'm sure they yeah. could work out something. It's like, hey, why don't we just try moving forwards instead of sideways? It's like, by Jove, it's a brilliant idea. See, my theory that they got, they got the thirst for the knowledge they were eating. Yeah. Mm. They got hungry. That's supported by the fact that she didn't get eaten. Ah. Because she just made sandwiches. She didn't, yeah, didn't have any knowledge. Well, that's, <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> no, I'm sure. She was a marine biologist or something like that, although she didn't know much about crabs. Slightly afraid of explosions. Absolutely. And needed, yes. always needed a nap. Uh, yeah, and they also that. did say that there were no animals on the island except right. crabs and a seagull, uh-huh. and that was odd. Was there was a comment about the seagulls, wasn't there? Yeah, and they... Comment at one stage that there were no insects, it was too yeah. quiet, no birds. Yeah. Then that, then they come to the realisation there's only crabs and seagulls. Mm. Yes. Which is, if you, like Catalina Island, um, Santa Catalina Island, where, where a lot of it was shot, um, especially these sort of canyonous type um, environments, there's not much going on on Catalina Island. There's rattlesnakes, um, 
birds, maybe the odd seal sort of hauled ashore. But there's it's it's like a desert island, as as opposed to a deserted island. Mm. It was it's a deserted desert island, and then plonked right smack in the middle of it is a luxury resort, like a five star luxury resort. Remember um, Robert Wagner was yeah. married to Natalie Wood, and she died. She mysteriously yeah. fell overboard and drowned. Oh, okay. And for years, everyone believes that he, they had an argument and he, he pushed her well, over. Like and Christopher Walken head. was on the boat at the same time, right? This right. whole mystery. Yeah, yeah. Natalie Wood. Um, that was in the bay of Catalina Island. It's, uh, it's like right. where all the stars would go with their yachts on well, the Well, like you said, you could see the Hollywood sign from where they were. Well, that was that – was, it was shot – I got it here. Um, it was shot – uh, Bronson Caves uh, in Bronson Ca- uh, Canyon, Griffith Park, uh, Crystal Springs, Los Angeles, California. Is that's that the, that was where you would have seen. Is it. that the same area as Mash was filmed? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, where they land the choppers. And Mash stuff is like that. on the other side of that hill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where the Hollywood sign and, is and, absolutely, and where the Batman Cave was because Marv Wolfman, yes, where uh, he once at one stage lived not far away, and, he, and back. When he used to live there, if he said if I ever went there, he'd take me there. Yep. Yeah, and to Valkyrie's Rock. Where yeah, yeah, with the big rock that's always in every every movie, all yeah. the Star Trek films and things like that. The one that's sort of on a lean goes yeah. up like that. Um, they they shot a lot of stuff. Uh, Pacific Coast Highway Malibu, and I think that's probably the beachy stuff they would have shot at Malibu. Okay, um, and then maybe some stuff out at Catalina. Um, Maryland, Pacific, uh, Rancho, Palos Verdes. So all of it was California. The whole thing was shot And the underwater stuff is shot in a marine park. There's a marine marine. Yeah, land. that's a marine land of the Pacific. That's yeah. at um, Ranchos Palos Verdes. Yeah. And um, it's all the underwater scenes. That's how you had the snapper and everything. Sort yeah. Of. yeah. Those yeah. underwater scenes were weird because... I thought they were it was, very well filmed. For they the were, for, the, for the budget too, I thought, very good. But there was something spatially going on. There was always... <laughs> Sort of, they'd be swimming at two hundred miles an hour, even when they, they didn't even know about the crab. Uh-huh. Very early on, she's out for a swim, and then he frightens the hell out of her. Yeah, and then at one point, she changes direction. Um, I think he frightens her. I think the narrative is supposed to be she's pissy because he frightened her mm-hmm. because she turns and pushes off him. Okay, like this, and then swims off at hundred miles, and then he swims, you know, because he's the guy and he can swim faster, and he overtakes her, and then. Mm-hmm. They seem to stop and they just bunch up in the space and then you can tell that the whole thing is is a really confined space. Yeah. When you've got scuba gear on and everything, it just looked really clumsy and then they would mm. swim 100 mile an hour that way and then they'd mm. stop again and then mm. they'd go over the deck of a boat or a shipwreck or something. Um, the underwater scenes were really good because of the marine life and that sort of stuff. One, But weird in, in its choreography. One thing that I thought was good about the underwater scenes is from my sort of... I don't know, a, opinion of it, is that they had um, lots of close-ups of the fish. Mm, yes. Mm. Which might have hinted that there was more atomic giant fish down ah, there yeah, at yeah. the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, so. Which yeah. later became other <clears throat> movies probably in the Corman uh, archives. Uh, yeah. Now, before we go too far, we have not yet exhausted the full extent of the atomic superpowers of the crabs. No. But what have we missed? How did they kill the crabs and why did they kill the ah, crabs and why yes. couldn't they shoot their guns at the crabs? That's right. That's right. They were incredibly... Weren't they hard... Sh- they had really... They were hard. They had something about hard shells. Sharp things would just go straight through them. 
like yeah, mercury. Something they're, to do with the worm. Their atoms. They, they right. mentioned it with the worm. Their atoms were doing something. <laughs> something strange. to do with their atoms. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's yeah. Right. Yes, something to do with their atoms. Their atoms were this electricity, amorphous, liquid. They were the Terminator. That's right, because they they could grow back a they did grow back a crawl. Yeah, crawl, claw. Yeah, grow back a crawl. (laughs) Didn't they? They did grow back. I don't know if they. I don't know. I thought it did because he had one up in the house. He took it with him. That's true. And then later, it had two claws again. But you tell me that there's two crabs. So they were the electric T-1000. Now, gotcha. if only they had a, a million-dollar budget, they would have had these That's oozing right. crabs. They were negative were... polarity. Exactly. That's negative right. polarity. Yeah. That's yeah. the... That's the That's thing. It. So That's we right. take it out by, by shooting it with positive polarities. And then they disappear. Right. Yeah. And then no more polarities left. Um, I, love, so- I love that um, General McCartner <laughs> fell in the electricity. Um, so his mode of death, there's a picture of it where one claw at the ankles, one claw at the head, but the whole time he's getting zapped at the same time. <laughs> yeah. He's lying on the ground, getting electrocuted, getting chopped in half <laughs> from ankles and neck. There That's it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the whole time he, this is happening, he's actually getting zapped at the same time because he fell in the zap trap. Mm-hmm. One thing that I'd like to sort of highlight and to remember, and this comes from reading up on the back, you know, the back side of this, is that although there's serious people talking about atomic radiation and, oh, no, and this and that, they're actually having a ball. And this is all tongue-in-cheek, right? So none of them are really trying to be serious. And, you know, all of this, you know, hyper-electricity and people getting heads and legs snipped off and stuff, they're just coming up with the most crazy stuff they can think of. They're all, you know, just having fun with it. So, um, Professor, I remember the awkward moment when the professor is... um they have a, They had a chuckle, like he suggested something, and they had a chuckle, and then it became all about how he's not as educated as they are, and got a bit shirty with them. You know, I'm just a simple guy, but you know, doesn't this mean this sort of That's thing? Right. And, That's mm-hmm. right. Remember, and because the, they're talking about in science jokes that he yeah, wasn't right. in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there was a bit of drama within the team there. Yeah, yeah. and I can I can't honestly remember. He's the which man. one fell on the sword. At right at the very end. At the end, no. And, was and it this the is professor that, or the boyfriend? Well, all of those three guys, they kind of all merged together in my mind. Like, who's that guy? Is he? That's Dave, her boyfriend. Yeah. Who's the also an, a scientist of some sort. He's the guy her. that was underwater that scared her. Yeah. And, and, and they then, were together. And, and they were all the holding hands And together. then two that survived because they're the virtuous pair. Yeah. Okay. These, two, yeah. these two survived or the other guy. No, no he... He died. So yeah, that's the professor, died. the Gilligan's Island Gilligan's professor, professor, professor died he's, right at the very end, roll like, credits. Yes. He's okay. the one that sacrificed himself. That's right, he did. Yeah. He's the everyman. That's right. He brought the tower yeah. down on top of it yeah. and therefore got zapped himself. Yeah. yeah. And he gave his life. He was mm. the everyman. The soldier died at Normandy. That's right. Well, yeah. slightly more elite. Yes. As Trump will tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're winning. <laughs> or as a, uh, our own... Barnaby Joyce was saying the avocado, the smashed avocado elitists. <laughs> I, saw, I read the paper yesterday. Um, Love it. He, the avocado smashing elitists are the ones left to witness the sacrifice of the everyman. Yes, interesting. Absolutely. To document it. Um, because, and, and not only because I suppose they're the only ones that can, because the everyman wouldn't document 
Indeed. In, well, that's right. He's too busy actually doing all the work, <laughs> saving the world. And he's also the one that puts the radio back together. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the I love the scene where he's his big victory moment with the radio too was to tune into Honolulu. Uh, you know, a little bit of uh, jazz, <laughs> big band jazz playing. Yeah, so I can't broadcast, but we're receiving well. Mm. <laughs> Thanks. That doesn't help us at all. <laughs> I think this is a definite contender for some voiceover action, this um, <laughs> this particular film, especially now that we're sort of intimately aware of a lot of the scenes. Mm. Um, there's some very awkward stuff. But I, there's some crack up. You know, when they're playing poker, both with the cigar hanging out of each other's mouths and they're playing poker with dynamite. You know, I'll raise you two sticks and, you know. And at one point he puts the cigar down in, in amongst the dynamite and the other guy picks it up. You, you're trying to blow us to getting gum sort of thing. Um, yeah, and we don't we don't really get to see the crab attack anyone. We, except for the General McCartner, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we either see the reaction... Right. We see big claws then, coming in from the side of the, the, or the big claw the, attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, Quite often it's a thumping claw that <laughs> yeah. will knock you to the ground. We do see it sort of walking a few times, but it, it never walks far. It just kind of yeah, yeah. moves about a metre. Yeah. Oh, my, I'll break into a run and Cuts walk away. away quietly and you won't catch me. The thing that I think I'm, he even says it in the film, doesn't he say, oh, what, what about the crab? Is, is it too dangerous? <laughs> I think it's too dangerous. No. We've seen how it moves. We'll just move away if we see it. You know, it won't catch us. Then it see, gets pulled in half. You see some of these shots here. That we, we, you know, one of the shot in, with the shots inside the cabin when they're they're hunting around early early on for it in the cabin. Um, and yeah, he's he, you know the camera tightens up on on the hero to get some tension happening, yeah. and then there's a little pause, and then suddenly, rah, 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 this yeah. big claw comes in from the side of the That's film, right. the That's side right. of the shot. Yeah. Is, is that the bit where he goes into, like, the storeroom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I just kind of went, you have to be joking. Yeah. He, he gets attacked. Yeah. He runs out the door, closes the door behind him. Yeah. Doesn't say a word. No, no. Of what he saw. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, just... Cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't want to frighten Patsy, what's her face, or whoever that, that, that chick. And they can hear the growling on one side of the door, and he says, "I'm going in there. Don't go in there. I'm going in there." And then opens the door, goes in, closes the door. Right? Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with leaving the door open? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You need to get out of there. Oh, that, leave the door open. Yeah, that balsa wood door would protect the Patsy, what's her face, in there from the giant crap. But my point is. As the camera's closing in and he's looking around the room with the gun, where the fuck was the giant yeah. crab? The, he, the giant yeah. crab's like this, yeah, yeah. this is enormous thing. And yeah. he's like, it's hiding behind a lampshade <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> no, it comes through the wall. Oh, no, right. no, it was in the room at yeah. the time. No, no, you see you see the hole in the wall. Oh, it's a, oh, oh okay. Right. okay. It actually. So he is actually in an empty room until the crab comes through the wall because at him. It's making, it's, yeah. I don't know, chomping at the out, outside of that wall. That's yeah. the noise they can hear. Okay, okay. So when he I walks couldn't. into the storeroom, he can't see anything. I uh-huh. couldn't. But then the clock comes bursting through the wall. I just okay. couldn't get past how lavish the Pacific Island house was that was in the middle of nowhere and that you no one knew about what happened to the A-team and all this. Who built the house? And whoever built it, who brought the lamps? They, there was a double bed, right, that she was sleeping in with... Oh, there it is. There's. There was lamps on both sides. There was curtains and... and um, Well-stocked pharmacy in the background there. Incredible. And, like, and, a spare radio. And, and, and where did they get their power from? Exactly. There was no... <laughs> it's atomic power, of course. Exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like the, the professor from Gilligan's Island had a you know generator made out of some coconut, <laughs> yeah. coconut power. It's definitely where it all started. And then even this thing, what's powering that thing? The uh, the Zappy Trap that it's they wireless. came up with. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Wi-Fi. Yeah, Wi-Fi, yeah. So uh, that that brings us to technical. So we've given it a bit of a score for um, narrative technical. Let's uh, let's maybe sh- save this on on this. So well, we there's can... a guy inside that crab suit down there, and you can see these people I don't with know. sticks. No, I think it was puppet. I think it was puppeteer. Yes, no, no, no. There's a guy inside. You reckon? Yeah, there's a guy inside. Oh, you got you you got some inside. Yeah, inside. yeah. I went and had a, a bit Does of. Does he work on the it. eye? The eyes? Yes, he's, he's got two <laughs> thingos to work the eyes as well. <laughs> yeah. Was it and a little man? Was it a little? Person? No, no, no. He's he's squatting down. So okay. he's squatting down. Um, and most of the shots. Um, have sort of rubble in front of the crab, oh, okay. so you yeah, can't yeah, see yeah, that yeah. there's two little feet inside there. Yeah, except in a couple of shots where you can actually see his feet. Yeah, <laughs> really? like, yeah, yeah. There's one or two where they screwed up, um, and the guy inside who, who was interviewed, you know, was in the theatre, and he like yelled out the theatre, "Hey, that's me!" <laughs> he was swinging this axe around. Incredibly, oh, yeah, incredibly yeah. close to her head uh, in this scene. I remember thinking, "Man, that's you're you're loose and fast with that axe." I hope, hopefully, it was a rubber one. This is is this the final shot? This, yeah, this is the yeah. final thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, what's he hoping to do with that axe? Yeah, we've already found out that they're like T one thousand. You know, grenades don't work, but an axe might. <laughs> no, no. It, well, the thing is, it doesn't work. It takes. The guy jumping up onto that mm-hmm. antenna to make it, which work. looked like a radio antenna yeah. to me, and it and either they killed him with they killed it with radio waves, <laughs> or where did the power come from for it was the radio? Was it electricity? Yeah, because that's what their that's their weakness. Their is kryptonite is yeah. electricity. <laughs> it's t- such yeah, a the, unfortunately, the obvious pape, uh, paper mache around the eye sockets mm-hmm. yep. kills it for me. Yeah, I thought so too. They should have, and, and this is the spare like, claw. Oh, right, yeah. I'm sure there's eight-year-olds that can do a much better job on that paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This reminds me of HR puff and stuff, sort of <laughs> yeah, made for telly uh, <laughs> prosthetics yeah. and terrible shit. Yeah. Um, I think this was prior to learning the value of keeping in the shadows, you know, um, not showing the beast too much. Um, they There's broad daylight. It was out in broad daylight at one point there. Oh, they don't have it too much in the movie, and yeah, it is always behind rocks and stuff, simply because they've got to have people operating it. In the, in the world's most well-lit caves. Yeah, yeah. But I take your point that um, you could be a little bit more dramatic yes. with the, um, the rather than just stick it on a rock and we'll film it yep. at 12 o'clock during the day, you know. And yeah. you could even see throughout the film, too, that they were still finding their way with the suspense music. Mm. Um, they were playing it at weird times. And, um, yeah, they, after the guy got his head bitten off, they were still playing the dramatic suspense music for at least another two minutes. Sort of well, thing. they might have been under instructions to do that yeah, because maybe. of the thing yeah. that they were trying the to formula. Yeah. yeah. That um, shot on the top right... I don't remember that shot. What this one, that? yeah, they were standing right something up. That's I can't just remember before, what they were That's just up. before our he finds hero the dynamite. Yeah, says, hang on, there's a box of dynamite here. Oh, that's him over there. Like, they're finding, they're, he's sorting something out there. That's right. And I, and that box is empty. You can see those two guys, the two actors yeah, straight yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't you put some bricks in the damn box when you've got to get the actors <laughs> to lift it? Don't just have it like styrofoam yeah. because it's like. 
and the the Frenchy Belgium guy. Yeah. Poirot's brother. He was not. Uh, he was from the very moment he took took the screen. Um, but isn't there the, was no acting really? There was no acting chops being shown there at all. But isn't the overweight guy always supposed to be sort of the slightly? I think. I think comedy the, in there. The I don't think he was remember the remember the um, Fantastic Voyage where they uh, they inject the uh, the crew the voyage the ship into yeah. the human body yeah, 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 yeah. and Ernest Berg- Borgnine yeah. is the overweight um, conniving just wants to survive doesn't care if mm, everyone yeah. dies character mm, yeah. or Fitzhume remember the planet the land I of the do, giants yeah. Yeah. yeah I do yeah, yeah, yeah. Fitzhume yeah he was always the conniving and, and they kept trusting him <clears> to, to and he always was the guy that was trying to strike a deal with the mm. giants whatever that was sort of a little later after this but it was a formula that was used so many times the conniving and then Dr Smith was yeah. another sort of iteration of that. This guy wasn't conniving. He might have been more of a comic relief because, yeah, that's what like I, I said too. at the start, with his like, hello, do the ghosts hear us of the dead A-team, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was a bit more. And it was missing that character, wasn't it? Someone with a hidden agenda. I mean, the main, True, the main there was professor no bad, guy. Yeah. bad people. Yeah, and they needed one. Well, I, th- I think it's probably probably from doing this film they probably realised they needed one because the closest they had was the main guy. He was um, keeping secrets. Who, who there, he's not as Carthur Derrick. He looks like... Dick Tracy with his, um, with his uh, jacket on. Um, he because he because he wouldn't tell the others what he thought yeah. was going on. So that yeah. was kind of. The, and he did want to catch it, it when all the, they all wanted to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would have really spiced it up if he was a secret. Yeah. You know, he was. He, he knows the, about it. Yeah, he knew the crabs were there, and yeah. he was going to try and feed everybody to. Yeah. And they realised what was going to in the third act. They realised you knew the whole time, and we lost Rog yeah. and Fred. Or, I mean, if it was made now, he'd be the secret. G man, yeah, yeah, he would yeah, be. Yeah. Who, who wants to preserve Absolutely. the crabs to make us? Yeah, <laughs> like the uh, like the like the android out of um, Aliens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there's a secret agenda there, or even um, is it Corman? Who's out of? Who's in Aliens? Who's the bad guy in Aliens? Oh, the oh there's the G man. What's his name? No, 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 no. The that's in, a- that's in Alien. Aliens. R- Rob. The guy from um, the, the Mad About You was yeah there. the corporate guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his name? I forget his name. It's not Corman or something like that. I don't is know. It? Maybe should have got Corman remember. on the brain. But the, having that character in there, that would have been absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's some hidden agenda there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's always they spiced it up. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> A bit of contrast for the heroes as well, because otherwise they all appear as all these bland do-gooders. Yeah, you know, just get picked off one by one, and it's like, oh, who cares? Well, and- before before. Um, before we we sort of move towards wrapping up on this film, you've got to tell Rick about the the formula that you told me about the um, the teen by the lake, the teen thriller by the lake. Um, I might have mentioned this to you once before. Um, look, probably to do it justice, you probably need to have a big long explanation. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not my, not my idea. It's just me talking with um, scriptwriter dudes um, and their kind of analysis of this of this genre. And it's about B grade horror movies. Well, we might have to let's save it. Let's okay. save it, and we'll look at Evil Dead. We'll, yeah, okay. we'll, we'll make a show about Evil Dead right. in the future. Yeah, um, yeah. Harold Ramis, I believe, is the director of Evil, Evil Dead, isn't it? Uh, shit, no, not Harold know. Ramis. That's the Ghostbusters guy. Yeah, Sam Raimi, the guy that, that did, sounds a little bit more familiar. Yeah, but he did I don't Spider-Man. Know. Um, okay. he's, him and Bruce uh, Campbell are very tight, and that's how Bruce Campbell ended up in all of the Spider-Man films. Right. Mm-hmm. Actually, before we go, who was your favourite character? In ah, yeah. Yeah, good call. 
Well, I have to tell you, well, my favourite character was was the Belgian, the the French guy. Like he, he had the comedic relief. He was cracking the one liners. He lost his hand. Um, he walked off a cliff. Um, he was my favourite. He walked off a cliff. <laughs> he was awesome. He was awesome. He got his he got his comeuppance because he was cracking wise uh, when someone just got just got killed. Look, I'd say the same thing, but temper it with the fact that you know if we do the um, the Phantom Menace character test, yeah. I couldn't tell the difference between any of the other people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they they did merge into. The only one that showed character, some sort of character trait in their delivery and in their dialogue was the professor from Gilligan's Island mm. because he was belittled, um, you know, and he was he was making a point, I'm the simple man, you know, mm. and I'll just fix the radio and, mm. you know, and save all your lives and whatever mm. and, yeah, have a laugh at my expense. That was character development. Mm. Everybody else, like, we didn't even really know. Were they boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever? We um, didn't get to see. Um, she explains that they're going to get married. That's shortly, right. Shortly. That's right. And actually, which brings me to Show, don't tell. Yeah. So he would be my second. The professor would be my second, but I got a lot of fun out there out of the other guy. Mm. Yeah. I, I do like poor, poor Rose's bro- brother in that. Uh, the French guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but mine would go to Pamela Duncan, because yep. she's as smart as they are. She's not as strong. She has to put up with a gang of assholes the entire film, <laughs> and she and last, outlasted and, everyone. And she outlasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she wasn't a squealer; no, like she didn't no, spend a lot of no, time squealing true. and screaming. No. And she was out there scuba. I think if you counted the screams in the film, mm. more came from men. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Because hmm. more men got <laughs> got chopped. <laughs> One and a half. Teams worth of men. Who? What was your What was your favourite demise? What was your favourite death method? I don't know. The two that stand out for me is every man killing himself at the end to save the team, and of course the <laughs> the exploits of our um, Frenchy hero in his <laughs> cliff jumping. Uh, for me. First two minutes, the guy's head fell off. Yes, yeah, so right? yeah, I just yeah, thought that was yeah, awesome. All, and the guy's on the beach. He's going. <laughs> Don't steer it that way. <laughs> yeah, steer, yeah, yeah. steer it the other way. Oh, you, yeah. You're going to breach it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to, yeah. and which means you're going to turn it sideways. <laughs> you'll fall out. And I think he falls out into about yeah. a foot and a half of water. And then all of a sudden, it's an underwater shot, and he's in twenty feet. You see the big eye open up. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? And his head falls off. Yeah, because he was the red shirt that barely had time to even put on his red shirt. Absolutely, right. he didn't even get a crewman number. <laughs> there's, a, there's a slight extension to that as well. Is that the professor from Gilligan's Island? Yeah has a line to shout to poor old head-snipped-off dude. Oh, uh, it does. And they're apparently supposed to be mates. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And the line, and this is this is Gilligan's Island, whatever his name is, guy, yeah. says it's the hardest line in all of film that he had to deliver. <laughs> okay? So a headless body's just been pulled out of the, out of the ocean. Mm. The boat is tossing and turning out there in the surf, and uh, it's his best friend, and he has to deliver the line... Bury him <laughs> with emotion. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't think it was actually bury him, but that's the way he described yeah, it. Yeah, he had yeah. to yell out to his to instructions to the guys to bury his best friend. That's right. So, <clears throat> released 1957, made with a budget of $70,000. And made $1 million, which is quite a profit. That's, yes, I think if you if you were to equate it to today's budget, seventy thousand, you'd be up in maybe four or five million. 
I, th- I think if you sort uh, of brought it up, maybe yep. even a little bit yep. more. Yep. Um, and it, yeah, it's it it outperformed its spending, and and so therefore. Corman's finding a formula that seems to work, that seems to make money. I mean, in millions, quite a bit. Reasonably unknown cast. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these people are his his kind of team as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What's her name? The the chick turns up in a lot of his films. Yep. Like Um, Same with um, the professor, Gillingham Island professor. He turns up in multiple films. They collect stables, don't they? You know, producers and and directors, Mm. they collect a stable... Um, yeah, even even today with Tarantino, they're a business and, basically. Um, they go, they've got their regular go-to guys, almost yeah. too, too a, a little too far. With Tarantino, it's a little too far. Mm. He's always trying to squeeze people into. But the, that's almost become to me a joy of the Tarantino. Films. A little bit. You're trying to work out, well, how are you going to put Tim Roth in yeah. this one? <laughs> <laughs> There's always a, a guy that speaks with a British accent. You're going to try to work him in here somehow. Well, so um, I had some stuff to talk about yeah, for the production. Go for it. Um, you want me to flick over? Yeah, let's flick over and just check out a few things. Um, that's static. That's static, true. <laughs> it's one of the crabs. <laughs> so I've got the old um, Mind Omo happening here. What time um, have we got? What time have we got? I think it's... What time is it? Is it, is it 9pm? Are you saying 9pm? Yeah, yeah. When time do we start? I can't remember. No idea. We might have to keep it. Uh, might have to keep it short. Yeah, I've got lots of stuff here, but I'm not going to yeah go through all of it. But um, there's some quite surprising things. Um, more about um, Roger Corman mm-hmm. than the the movie itself. Um, so yeah, we've got the IMDb here. So it was seventy thousand dollars. Come back with a million dollars. Um, I think this one here. One six one hour sixteen. We'll be going so. Let's yeah, squeeze, okay, okay. We can squeeze another 15, 20 minutes in. This is simply from the wiki page, um, and this is a list. Check out the people that are on this list. Yeah, maybe maximise the screen. Armitage, Patel. James Cameron. Yeah. Francis Ford, Ford Coppola. Coppola. Yeah. Um, Curtis Hansen. Jack Hill. Ron Howard. Yeah, Ron Howard. Martin Scorsese. These guys are all first-time directors doing a uh, Corman film. Wow. This is where they all get their start. Yep. And it's not only those guys. Here's another another sample. Jack Nicholson, Mm -hmm. Robert De Niro, Dennis Hopper, um, Ron Howard, um, Sylvester Stallone. Wow. Death Race 2000. These are all... um, Roger Corman films, yep. and all of these people get their start working for Roger Corman on one of his shows. Yeah, did he did his did his path cross the Canon film group? Did he do any Canon? Well, stuff? they're both sort of in parallel, but he's a little bit before. He's yeah. a little bit earlier yeah, than these guys. He's bit. he's got a really long um, filmography. If you go to his filmography here, um, <clears throat> nineteen fifty four. I always thought Ron Howard's first film was for Spe- was for Lucas was Howard. The Duck. Oh, it might not be his first no, film. Willow. It might not be yeah. his first film, but th- these are the people that. Um, yeah. Um, till twenty seventeen, he's still producing Death, Death Race. Death Race twenty fifty. The Death wow. Race movie, the Death Race movie, part of the shtick of Death Race is that they run over p- pedestrians yes. in the race yeah. 
um, as a funny thing to do. That's what they do. And they disintegrate the pedestrians normally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's another cool line about an interview with um, Roger Corman about how they're, you know, he's negotiating the deal for this the new Death Race 2050, and um, the studios, the big stupid studios, want to take out, you know. What, running over pedestrians just for fun? Well, well, I don't like that. That's a bit... That's a bit... Yeah. That's a bit horrible. Yeah. That's completely horrible. Let's not put that in the movie. And, of course, Roger Corbin says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That has to be in the movie. That is what the movie's about. That's what the people want to see. That's what they've come here for. That's what I do. That's the shtick. That's the thing. Yeah. So it's very specific that, yes. Look at some of these here. That's Scream. Apollo 13. Is this, are we still looking at his stuff? Yes, this is his filmography. That's Apollo it's, 13. It's enormous, yes. Like, that's Philadelphia. That is. That's Academy Award winning Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, yeah? Yeah. 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 Suburbia, The Howling. Yeah. Galaxy of Terror, Smokey Bites the Dust, which I think is a little known Rock and roll third Smokey in the Bandit yes. movie. Yes. Godfather Part 2. What? Yes. Oh, now he was an actor. Oh, yeah. He sorry. was a senator. So, yeah, yeah producer. Yeah, yeah, the reason why he's... Francis a, Ford Coppola. Yeah. The reason why he's an actor is because all his protégés protégés yeah. ask him to come and be in his film, yeah, in their yeah, films. Yeah. So, yes, that's exactly as why a, he's As an homage, as a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ask him to pop into the... Von Richthofen and Brown. Um, what do we got there? Ooh, the, the trip. Saint, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, that becomes a... Classic. Yep. yep. A lot of these are classic. A lot of these are the groundbreaking, mm. formula-making um, things that all these protégés go and build on. Yeah. Like, um, I love the 1965 Voyage of the Prehistoric Planet. It's where we got the name for the show. We were, we were yeah, looking to those 1950s something of the dirt. Yeah, you know? Voyage yeah, of the... Those, and it's the posters. Journey you know, to those the... Big, big yeah. banner posters from the 50s, 60s sci-fi. He didn't shy away from... Some you know like devil's angels and wild angels that that was that sort of wild bikey yeah yeah genre that had sex he was always on the fringe wasn't he of society what's acceptable with society well then let me read you this quote now this is from an article um the the link will be in the in the mind i'm at but i want to read out this quote there's lots of really cool quotes but um so this was his top 10 um most uh most important influences on film nice so I'll read out this one, which is just number eight. Um, he laid the groundwork for the for the explosion of movies your parents don't want you to see. Nice. Corman and his co- colleagues pioneered the idea of making teen movies transgressive with the explicit purpose of appealing to young people's rebellious spirit. Before then, teen pictures were like Rebel Without a Cause, where you could tell that the filmmaker was an adult, saying... Don't be like him. Yeah. You know, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, Stapleton says, In a Corman picture, there's no adult voice of reason. There's uh, no I told you so quality. You know, whether it's teenage doll or the 50s rock and roll high school in the 70s, um, you just can't imagine a movie that ends with the kids blowing up their high school before Rod- Roger Corman came around. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair call, and and that's what you're talking about as well. It's like those, it's those um, edgy, like for yeah, the time, yeah, edgy, 
Yeah, yeah. And edgy not as a way of educating young people. Edgy as a way of entertaining young people. Well, I mean, the thing is he's really pushing boundaries of storytelling for the time. Because don't forget, we're talking about the 1950s and early 60s where even comics were, you know, very, you know, had a lot of regulation um, about, like, you couldn't um, actually mention words like a wolfman and vampire. You had to find ways to actually... Mm. Rolling out of quite a dark time in yeah. comics, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and regu- regulation was huge in those days. Yeah. You know, you're talking about blacklisted, bloody communist actors, yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like that. The, the government was, you know, all over you. Um, so yeah, I know for one thing for sure. When when Corman passes, as far as I'm aware, he's yeah, still still alive and still kicking going. And, and still functioning on all cylinders. Um, when he passes away, watch the tributes that are going to roll out for this guy because now and then. There are cer- there are certain people that you can attribute incredible milestones in cinema. Mm. He's one of them. He's one of them, and he's yeah. done it through his whole career. And it's a little bit quiet in the background, and he's he's kind of laying the foundation. I think yeah. he's not, you know, Martin Scorsese. He's the guy who enables Martin Scorsese or all totally of those agree. those type of yeah. guys, yeah. and probably even had influences on Spielberg's and, and he um, George Lucas's and those type of things. Yeah. Like as a producer, People. your job is to negotiate. Um, really, your produ- a producer's role is the same. It's similar in games. Your, 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 your job is to bring all of the battalions to bear mm. at exactly the right time with, with a plan in mind and you've got to get across the battlefield and be victorious on the other side, mm. right? That's the producer's role. And part mm. of that is money, part of that is humans, wetware, hardware, software, all of it, it's all part of the whole thing. Mm. That job becomes a lot easier when you've got track record doing what they do. Mm. So finding, getting produce, uh, directors on board, getting actors on board, that's got to be a whole lot easier when you've been in the trenches, when you've made all these films that are recognisable, that mm. you know, you've stood behind the camera, you know how to talk to cinematographers, um, you know how to talk to all the people on the production, so that when you're a producer... Everything sings, you know, and, mm. and, and I think that's one of the things that he's left. That's his legacy, mm. is that he came up through it, whereas money men, producers, don't always do that. They don't always come through the creative. Mm. So well, most of the time they, they don't. No, they don't, mm. because they're two very different hats. Mm. And, not, and not a lot of success comes the way of a producer that comes from the directing ranks. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but he's managed he – so he must have had some good people around him in the producing day when he was directing – he must have had some good producers around him and learnt, like Clint Eastwood learnt for some, from some great directors, mm-hmm. the Sergio Leone's doing the spaghetti westerns and things like that. He learnt and the and the um, uh, the, the anti-hero Dirty Harry movies and things like that. He learnt from some of the best, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> Corman as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, and that makes you, you're then a powerhouse as you get older and you start becoming more right at the top of the pyramid of production. He'll, another, be, he'll be sorely missed, I reckon. When yeah, I agree. I've got another quote for you, which I think is um, is good food for thought. Um, so there's another quote. Everyone from uh, Jonathan uh, Dem, you know who? Jonathan I think it's Jonathan Demi. Demi. Yeah. Um, so what does he do? He does. Uh, Silence I think he's of a the director. Lambs. Yeah, yeah. Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, so everyone from Jonathan Dem, Demi to Ron Howard to Martin Scorsese told me that Roger Corman taught them that you have to make the antagonist even more interesting than your protagonist. And if you look at today's movies, that's how they're all set up. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Totally agree. So when we were asking who's the most interesting character in Attack of the Crab Monsters, yeah. it's the crab. It's the crab. Yeah. It's right. the crab is You're the right. most interesting character. Bang, bang on the money. Yeah. Um, and we probably the only reason we didn't sort of go that direction is we didn't equate paper mache to a character. <clears throat> but you're right. Like yeah. in the narrative, it's the thing that has all the cool lines. It does all the cool shit. Yeah. It owns the island. You yeah. know, it's plucking them off one at a time for yeah. fun almost because we can't find a good enough reason other than for fun. And I don't know. I think that leads us to like Darth Vader, <laughs> right? You yeah. know, yeah. it's the, it's this amazingingly impressive bad guy yeah. that's just that's really eclipsing all of the good guys like Luke Skywalker is just some snot-nosed little teenager really you yeah. know he's just being totally out, out and even Tarkin upstaged in by, the original Star Wars yeah like Tarkin yeah he, he was, was he was better than Darth Vader as a character wasn't he like mm. Vader had a presence there was a iconic sort of badness to him with the darkness and the helmet and the you know the subliminal stormtrooper you know Nazi stormtrooper-esque sort of shape to him but it was Tarkin man who was who was you know watch I'm going to make you watch me blow your planet up yeah yeah exactly parents on it I'm going to make you watch it that's that ridiculous over the top you know yeah yeah craziness that yeah that's that you see in all of these sort of film attack of the giant leeches you know it's another one of his movies you know this is a good one I'm going to definitely check out your um your mind map here for um Coleman there's a lot of cool stuff and there's some very cool articles and interviews that are quite insightful. Um, well, we haven't done it justice either. We've run out of time a little bit because we should pick another Corman movie somewhere down the track and well, come back and revisit this. Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> Have you got one in mind? Funny you should say that because I wanted to come into a close for mm. my little section here with the Fantastic Four. Not the original 1980 shocker, the Canon film one. No. Cool. The Corman 1994. Shocker. Shocker one. Oh, the, with... 94? I have pictures. Yeah, this one. Yeah. That's... That was 94? That's 94. Canon Films, man. This is... Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. This is Corman. That's Canon Films. Okay, we have to... I haven't so investigated Corman, this... Corman might have um, directed it, did he? I haven't investigated this this properly, but I understand that this is this is common. Let me just tell you from my very quickly from my point of view. Yeah. The Lost Fantastic Four movie finally getting its story told. So there's because it's ne- it never got released. Yeah. All right. So it, it never never got released. Yep. Um, I've got the um, the trailer here. I've got even the movies up on YouTube. You can go and see on movie on YouTube. And there's this here, Doomed, which is. Um, Essentially, it's the documentary, and I'm sure you'll like this, Dave, the documentary of the doomed Fantastic Four Roger Corman movie. Awesome. That never... That never was. Is that available now? Can we? Is that we can go out and see this? I now? found this website. You can perhaps cl- you know it's called doomedthemovie.com. I haven't investigated enough. You can probably click buttons and get a hold of it. Um, ninety four Fantastic. What are you looking up? IMDb or something? Yeah, yeah. I'm just want to see. I got it IMDb was, here. Oh, it was. Um, I want to see who the production company was because I'm swear it was it was in our. Uh, oh, homage to 
Canon. To the, to the 80s. To Canon Films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To um, the 80s so production Canon company, films. New Horizons, Constantine Film Production with a K. Distribution. So while you're doing that, I'll, I'll just let some trailer happen in the background. It doesn't <clears> look like it was... Um, oh... Maybe it wasn't Fantastic Four. Maybe it was Captain America. There was a shitty Captain America one. Oh, yeah, America I think it, Yes, it was Captain America. That's what it was. It was Captain America. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. I know what we did. We looked at DC versus Marvel. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and one, and there was a Fantastic Four that flashed up mm-hmm. there, but we didn't go into it to find out that they hadn't actually made it. I'll leave it with this, um, that there. if you go to the YouTube channel, and I haven't looked at it, I haven't really researched it, but... There's this, a bunch. This looks like it's like 240. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is hyper low, low but <laughs> it looks like it's 1982, not 1994. <laughs> he walked out of a church before in full regalia, getting married in in the uh, in that outfit. The um, the comments, you know, left in the comment section, you know, are the type of things that people say. Are, you know, I only read a few of them, but they're like. This is way better than that the, the the superhero crap that they're putting out nowadays, you know. Or you know, people say this is actually a really cool story. Yeah, I know the you know, graphics are a bit crap, but it's a really cool story. And um, you know, other people will say, um, Fantastic Four fans will say this is the best, yeah. you know, homage to Fantastic Four ever. Um, yeah, this movie. How can that? Looked like that in 1994. Considering what was being made in 94, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty. Remember, yeah, the outrageous. budget would have been $15,000. That's only two years or three years, two years before Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's made for telly. This is after, you know, um, Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah A while is. after Terminator 2. And Absolutely. Am I right? It's Fantastic Four 1994. There's the little, the, the, Professor Doom or whatever his name is, Doctor Doom in his suit. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I this know. is Roger Corman. We're, we're, you're forget, forgetting the Corman factor. Yeah, still, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little. I know, you know, I was smoking and drinking a lot of things. I probably shouldn't have been at the time, but I, I don't. I remember nine. I remember films in the early nineties being a little bit high production. Well, yes. the production values, yes. Did they? The nineties was definitely. We we polished our act by the time we got to the nineties. That and to see a product like that, it might have been made in the eighties and just sat on the shelf for until ninety four. Potentially, like it might not have. Know, yeah, because it does look. not look like something that was made in the in the nineties. We we'd moved on considerably from there. Um, I'm picking our next movie, gentlemen, for our next classic review. Yep. May I? Yeah. <laughs> the most memorable thing is that funny ninja star with the claws oh, on it. Oh, no, there's lots of memorable stuff. There's the spider web scene where... Isn't this the, Jack Valance, the villain? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's the Cyclops that, that can only... The, the Cyclopses can control the the wind horses or something that can ride faster than any animal on the planet, you know, and and the the, the bad guy island thing would only show up on a s- certain moon and whatever and his wife was pinched and 
it's a classic fantasy that came out to try to take on, um, you know, Star Wars and those sorts of films. And man, as a narrative exercise, <laughs> it's got some <laughs> shit going on. And it's a it's a pommy. It's it's all you know uh, British money, you know, right. as opposed to American money for mm-hmm. the, for the Star Wars stuff. Um, but very fantasy. Certainly, lots to talk about. Awesome. Let's do it. So let's do that one. And I, I specifically picked this so that we don't really set our sights too heavily on the 50s, 60s. We want to go back move in around. and out, yeah. move around. Mm-hmm. Like yep. Krull, um, uh, like classics for us in the classic review shows that we do is um, is retro mm-hmm. um and good for a reason. The the, mm. the attack of the crab monsters is good for a reason. Mm. It's good because it's bad. Mm. Just the re- same reason why I still like to watch the old um, old Battlestar Galactica TV mm. show. It's good because it's bad. Mm. Um, and there's and they took themselves so seriously <laughs> yeah, in those they moments, did, they? you know. <laughs> um, so yes, I'm going to throw that one out there. Awesome. This is our this is our last show for um, for 2016, mm. um, which is going on record as being. Probably one of the most ordinary years in a long time, um, geopolitically and world events and yeah, all sorts my, of shit. My theory, uh, and I've seen it on the internet, is that David Bowie was the glue holding the universe. <laughs> <Yeah. together. laughs> you might be right. And once he passed away, it's all turned. You might be right. And we lost so many. We lost so many, um, you know, Leonard Nimoy and, you know, mm. we lost so many. Was Prince. Nimoy was this year, wasn't yeah, he? It was, I think so. Yeah, it was. Mm. Prince, Prince, Nimoy. Alan Brickman. It, um, and it just goes on and on. The list goes on. And then you've got all sorts of political shit that you know we want to forget, and and there's there's you know pipelines being laid on Indian land and just fucking shit everywhere. Yep. And so 2016 has not been a, a great year, but um, I think that's one of the reasons why we like doing this show. That hmm. we sort of rise above that or to the side of it, and we don't worry about it, and we just get on with waffle and yeah. dribble that we uh, that we enjoy important and, stuff like atomic yeah, crabs. Yeah, atomic crabs. And trying to work out why the fuck they had had it in for the humans, all and the time. how the hell they could shoot down an aeroplane, yeah, from underwater with, with great accuracy as well. Um, so we're going to continue doing it. We're going to have a break over the Christmas break. We're going to come back probably in the last week of um, January, but we'll try to post as much as we can on on Facebook. We'll continue to post on Facebook on the page throughout mm-hmm. the whole break. Um, keep checking that regularly too because I'm putting stuff up there almost daily. Mm. Um, stuff from all sorts of things from um, from render engine stuff to everything. You know, Why anything. don't we put a, the Donda um, trailer on there? That game I've been... Oh, no, stuff that. We're going to have a quick look. Give me a, give me an address because I want to show Dan and I think we um, should... You can actually just go to YouTube and you'll find Yeah, it. don't forget... Showing off the trailer. Donda uh, Chronicles. I'm glad you reminded me because I would have been sitting here in about five minutes when you reminded me after the show, dirty at you for not telling me. So it's Donda, D-O-N-D-A? Donda. Why? Donda, like. Oh, yonder. 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 Yonder over there. It's my. Yonder is a word that is fully neglected in the Uh, English language. Y-O-N-D-E-R. E-R. This one. Yep. There we go. Ooh. Are we going to get hammered for uh, copyright here? Probably. I sincerely hope not. Let's come back here a bit. Crude, Crude humour. humour. <laughs> it's funny Funny how you're affiliated Associated with Associated with such, <laughs> such a thing. Let's see if we get some audio happening. It me to send you so far away. 
But I had to be sure you would be safe. At first, the island kingdom may seem strange, full of magic and fantastic creatures. Nice. Yeah, that thing's cool. But you shall find honest people it's there. It's called a grovel. Yeah, yeah. Trust in their wisdom and let the celestial compass guide you. Have courage, my child. For one day, you shall find your way home. Wow. Awesome. Q2 2017, the Yonder the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. And your capacity in this adventure is? He's designing and writing a dialogue for the side quests. Game design. Wow, cool. Very, very Not nice. all the side quests, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of them. That's awesome, man. That's I, awesome. Think, I think there are some other people working on side quests. Is it an exclusive PS4? Um, no, it's also going to come out on PC. It's, it's actually um, up for green light at the moment on yep. Steam. Yep. So get on there, people. <clears throat> Vote for it. I love Vote the art it. style. Mm. It's yeah, very it's nice. Great art style. It's beautiful, um, and you can tell someone knows what the hell they're doing with it. With you know the complementary colours, the the softness. You know, it's got a style that's definitive. You know, you can define it and look at it and go, "Yep, I think that's all part of that one thing." Um, well, the uh, Cheryl and Joel, who are the two people who I used to work with years ago, that are behind this, mm-hmm. they love their Eastern gaming. Very nice. Mm. And so, and you can see that influence. We might in the new year. How about in the new year we get you on, and we Skype them in, Skype uh, yeah. someone, someone in the higher up yeah. echelon, in to have a bit of a chat about it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, learn a bit, a little bit more about it. I like anything with a nice aesthetic. But if they're a good group of people too, we should be promoting them and and, and telling people a little bit about the behind Actually, the curtain Joel's stuff. A um, one of the earliest AIE graduates. Oh, that's even even better. Where there's connections all over. That's awesome. Wow. Very good. I'm glad we got to do that. So, um, yes, we'll be back in 2017, sometime at the end of January, provided I don't get eaten by some kind of bull shark up a river somewhere in my kayak. Or some giant atomic carp. Yep. Yep. Now I'm freaking out. (laughs) Freaking out. Um, Once again, thank you for joining us, Rick Legato. It's been a pleasure as always. Dan, thank you for being part of the show throughout the year. Hope you'll join us again in the new year. Otherwise, it'll be pretty lonely, me sitting here talking to no one. Talking to yourself. I'd have a cardboard cut out of you over there. (laughs) (laughs) Probably probably just be some clothes and a picture of you on top because they're expensive. Cardboard cutouts, life size are expensive. left here too long to start doing the the crab. (laughs) Yeah, mutating. I'd still probably lose the arguments. Um, So that's it for uh, for uh, 2016, uh, season one, I guess. Uh, we'll call it and season, season two one. commencing in 2017 we hope you can enjoy uh, join us then mm. uh, until then have a good Christmas have a happy new year um, be safe happy mm. f- f- Festivus yes for the <laughs> <Yeah>. rest of us <laughs> <laughs> serenity now <laughs> yes <laughs> okay that's it for us until next time bye for now bye bye